This is Geek Gab with your host, Arnold, me, Daddy Wolfgang. We are back. Geek Gab for Monday, November 13th, 2023. Dornell, how was your week? Bro, my week was great. Uh, I'm not going to bore you with the mundanity, the mundane day-to-day stuff. I'm still happily married. Made it three weeks, four weeks, three weeks. Uh, gaming is good. Got back to playing Dungeons and Dragons. We're going to have some interesting stuff going on probably next week. Uh, we're the, uh, oh, I, I do want to talk about this. Uh, but first, real quick, I don't know, Warpig, if you're doing this, but uh, and cover your ears, uh, Mr. Niemeyer. Uh, cover your ears. I am four or five episodes into loki season two uh it's uh it's not really loki but uh i'll tell you more when i'm finished i don't know if you've been watching that i i have not i have i i just lost interest in things marvel i mean maybe i should watch it i just nope no you shouldn't (laughs) again. <laughs> I, I think that's the sign of healing that even you who you you subject yourself regularly to uh, some of the best and worst that the pop cult has to offer <laughs> what was that he said he'll take it as a no yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, if you are sick of the Marvel stuff, that means that the world is healing. Uh, that's good. I mean, it's not um, so much that I I got vomitously ill and I rejected it. I just stopped caring. Uh, I mean, I do want to see the Gardens, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 because I heard that's actually okay. But it's on Disney Plus. I could have seen it at any time in the last couple of months and just haven't bothered. I've I've watched uh, three different bad sci-fi prestige sci-fi series on Apple Plus, um, and I haven't watched Guardians of the Galaxy three, which is only two hours, and I've watched you know. That's like 30 hours of, of mediocre sci-fi on Apple Plus. So it's that'll tell you how little enthusiasm I have. I and mean, it's not, you know, this hatred and rejection I see. It's just apathy, which is worse. <laughs> completely apathetic towards the MCU and, and everything to do with it. Good for you. Uh, good for you. Uh, I think one of the worst pieces of news I've heard uh, come across my desk in the past few weeks uh, not, has nothing to do with the Middle East and everything to do with uh, strikes like the writer strike and the actors guild strikes actually 
uh, being resolved. I was hoping that that would be shut down forever. Alas. The Marvels just released the latest MCU movie, and uh, at least on its opening day, had made less money, made 50% less money or a third less money than than the Flash, which was you know DC's notorious bomb this year. Uh, it's the lowest opening weekend of any MCU movie ever. Uh, it is a disaster. Um, the levels of cope I've seen are off the charts. Uh, for people getting angry about why it's not making money. Um, it's just, it's insane. Some of the excuses I've seen. One excuse was like, oh, men are so sexist. They didn't come out and see it. And it's like 60% of the audience was male. So it's not men's fault for being sexist. And the other one is, oh, people are so racist. They didn't want to see it with diverse female leads. And it's like, your entire claim for putting in diverse characters was that it would widen the audience and sell more money. So now you're saying that the diverse audience caused people to stay away because they're racist. Didn't that just immediately disprove the last eight years of Hollywood's claims and also the claims on Warhammer and also the claims on video games, you know, the new Saints Row. I mean, didn't you just in, in, in attempting to defend the Marvels completely disprove eight years of your, of your Pander Stone claims? I did watch South Park's Into the Panderverse special. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a disaster and the copium is, uh, they're, they're mainlining copium right now. They're not just breathing it through a, a gas mask. They're, they're freebasing it. They've made it into little crack rocks and they're freebasing that stuff. They're, they're injecting it directly into their eyeballs with hypermic needles. That's how how bad the copium cravings are hitting them over the marvels. You know, the folks responsible for that sort of thing and, and who are still clinging to any sort of fandom, they've, uh, they've made their bed and the bed is on fire and all they have to do is get up and leave the bed and they won't. You're not going to destroy anybody with facts and logic, Warpig. Sorry to say. Yep. But our audience appreciates it. Uh, <laughs> One thing that is getting Kurt, destroyed is the movie industry. Did I tell you guys? Kurt, the, the theater that I used to manage finally closed after like 40 years. After 40 years. That's a Four shame. More. Yeah, yeah, it is. This one uh, where those ghost stories I told on my blog happened. So more difficult to get in there and do like haunted segway tours or something are they gonna preserve the building that sounds like something that could be preserved as a historic site oh yeah because it's attached to 
like a, a rec complex. There's a, a gym and like an off-track betting place in a bowling alley. So I'm sure they'll do something with it. Okay, okay. So that that's good-ish. Um, just just to show you the, a sign of the times, I uh, on honeymoon I was in a uh, tourist-ish town on the Oregon coast, and they had this old movie theater. Uh, you know, this I, I don't know when it was built. Uh, it had to have been mid-century. Uh, it was a beautiful theater, and we went in to see because the the outside had menus for like a pub and so oh, we're nice. like this is this is great like dinner theater let's go in and get some food and see what they're showing and we go in and we see that the lights are on completely and there's just massive monitors and screens on the back wall and it's not a dinner theater it's just a sports pub that happens to be in a former movie theater that oh, made me really sad. Yeah, that's surprising. I, that's one of the nice things about Utah is we have a lot of dinner theaters around here. I mean, even like small, mid-sized towns have active dinner theaters with live plays. Uh, Best place to see movies in Salt Lake City is called Brewvies. I believe it's, I went there. It's just a bar with a movie theater in the back, and it's dirty, covered in, you know, splashed beer and popcorn everywhere, and you get nasty nachos, and you pay like two fifty for a movie ticket. Yeah, me and my cousin saw The Mechanic 2 with Jason Statham there. They have good pizza by the slice. They do. They make good, good pizza. They do? Awesome. Awesome. That's recommended for the audience. Geek Gab road trip to Salt Lake City to watch movies that we could have just streamed online when? <laughs> um, yes. Go ahead. So, anyways, let's uh, uh, let's move on so, on from some depressing stuff about the movie industry collapsing um, and go on to exciting new stuff about indies doing well. I love Indies doing well. Yay. Hey, uh, welcome back to the show, Brian Meyer. For anybody who's listening, um, I see lots of friendly faces in the chat. You guys all know this, man. Uh, everybody listening later, just so that you know, uh, Brian Meyer, a best-selling science fiction author, winner of the Dragon Award for Best Horror, and uh, also former co-host of The Geek Gab, which... And I let me check my notes here. Is the best podcast live show on YouTube at this time? So uh, welcome back to the show, man. Wait, wait, wait! Back, I was gone. I'm sorry. I, I've lost all concept of time. When are we? <laughs> when are we? We are. It is 2023. Do you need more specific okay. than that? Do you need to? I don't want to know. But thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, so you are on to talk about the new hotness. Um, let's see. Last time we talked, you had just done your final X-Seed book. And what have you been up to s since then? 
lot of editing. Um, I have gone all in on neo patronage as well. Uh, I saw some indicators in the market that told me, yeah, it's it's time to stop hemming and hawing in case plans don't work out and just put all my chips on the table. When it's our uh, friendly show, Yakov Merkin did really well with his manga. And uh, yeah, then Alexander Backers just blew it out of the water with Axe. And um, even David Stewart is getting back on the Patreon bandwagon. So I started up a Patreon and a Subscribestar. And that's doing really well. Like the very first guy to sign up day one backed at the highest tier. Wow. Yeah. So my Patreon is like, and, and Subscribestar combined are almost paying my rent like two months in and they're, they're only going up. Um, a lot of, a lot of folks here in chat are my glorious and valued patrons and, uh, just the feedback in our top secret patron only discord has been humbling, but also highly satisfying. Like I've, cause, cause uh, you know, authors uh, attract other authors, like calls to likes. So I've got a lot of aspiring and even other pro writers there and i just keep hearing comments like well i've learned more from just hanging out in this discord for two weeks than in like an entire year of college level creative writing courses so that's uh it's good to know i'm making a dent making a difference and adding value to these guys that's but, outstanding and your paper it just it just works so um that was to supplement my previous new patron efforts, which were crowdfunding through Indiegogo, which I started with my first Comet Frame Xseed that's back in 2018, if you can believe it. Oh, uh, that sounds like a long time ago. Right? And that's why I'm just uh, kind, of, kind of stuck in a sporadic time warp. Because, I mean, for me, it's just been one... One long, extended effort, but I'm changing gears a little bit. Um, and and wow, it's it's a bit ironic because when I finished the Soul Cycle in 2017, I then announced to my readers that okay, the next series is going to be giant robots. The next two series actually, and the Soul Cycle readers were kind of like. Uh, we're not sure about this East Weeds West Stompy plus Spiky Mac thing, but okay, if we're not trust, we'll we'll bear with you. And then Crimexy just took off, became my most successful series by far. And now that I thought, okay, well, I'll go back to the Soul Cycle universe and I'll reveal the backstory as promised, like finally. And now people are kind of saying, oh, well, we missed the giant robots. <laughs> so, oh. It's, uh, yeah. And we've been rocking hard place, but no, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Um, people already are, because as you know, Dornal, mm. our most popular feature of the Comet Frame Xseed Indiegogos was the legendary Build-A-Mats. I believe you yourself yes. inserted a banner or two, didn't you? I I may have I may have I regret 
that I missed the first book, but uh, I made up for that by making the best mech in every successive book. Um, and if and if you choose, if those of you hanging out on the Discord choose to take that as throwing shade, well, the gauntlet's thrown down. You better build a better weapon. There you go. Challenge yeah. issued. Full disclosure, um, not only um, do I like your work, but I've been supporter the whole time uh, and did a lot of Build-A-Mech stuff on Combat Frame X-Seed. Um, I've said it before on the Geek Ab, and I'll say it again. You know, you will not only get your money's worth, you will get a good, enjoyable experience. And at the end of the process, uh, you'll have a book, a story that you helped make happen. And, yeah, you know, you can always go back to those chapters and uh, and reread that and say, wow, that's that's cool. What Brian did with my idea, that's so good. Well, you guys have both shown me like all the support in the world all these years, so I appreciate it. And oh, someone has picked up the gauntlet in chat. Oh, right, and it, it's DJ. Oh, okay. D DJ's DJ's core first is the only thing that comes close. Yeah, that that is close. We we do pretty much have. And he the, points out he's he's echoing what I'm saying. Like there are things that yeah. the idea influences in future books and stories as well. Um. Well, okay. So, how do you beat how do you beat build a mix? Uh, let's let's talk about what it is that you're writing because you touched on a whole bunch of things there. And I, well, I just briefly want to mention the neo patronage thing. You've got a subscribe star and a Patreon. I put those links in the show notes. Um, you'll be able to find them yourself searching for Brian Niemeyer and. One of the things that's most valuable, what I'm hearing from you is that the Discord access, your, you know, the backers Discord is one of the most valuable perks, and people will get a lot of good advice and knowledge and value out of that. Is that accurate? That's what folks are telling me, and it really has been amazing to watch it thrive and grow. Like, I, I've now got other members of the group coming together and just forming like writing accountability partnerships on their own like setting up in, impromptu beta reading groups which just spring up on its own but the main draw was being able to get early like first access to my writing because every tier gets access to the discord but at like the beginning, like lower middle tiers, you start getting access to my first drafts and even outlines and notes. So right now, like some of the folks in chat who are my patrons have seen the first half of the outline for my new book before anyone else but me. And I'm like that, but picking up what you and DJ were talking about and running with it, you get to leave structured feedback on my work in progress documents. So you can influence the course of my books from the foundation up. It's ground floor access. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. And I can't help but think, I'm in the mood to throw shade tonight, guys. So, so here we go. I can't help but think of all those extremely successful so-called authors who get paid however many thousands of dollars 
a month to not write the the Martins and the Rothfusses of of the world. And uh, how much how much would you pay to sort of get that access to your favorite author? Well, well, you're actually you're actually doing that work. You're not only not only are you you know getting access to those fans and those readers and everything but they also have that certainty like if you haven't written anything in a month you know they're going to notice they're going to say hey man you know you i uh, did you make any blog posts this month right uh they're going to keep you accountable and since you actually enjoy writing uh you get to it's just it, it's uh, like a virtuous circle is and oh, how could I forget that? I see a number of us also in chat. Okay. What I love is each BAM backer brings his own skill set and strengths to the, to the table. So, Dornall, you and I tend to play off each other in this hideous mad scientist feedback loop where we just come up with these horrible monstrosities that end up being like final boss mechs. And yeah, DJ, he's he's got Kerr first. He's got the just the classic like super robot, like night robot feel. I mean, I'm sure folks at home saw his um Bam drawn by Arbanon. I mean, he's got a freaking superheated chainsaw sword. What more do you want? But then Embrev always comes up with just the craziest, most horrifying weapon ideas, like Planet sterilizing matter antimatter reaction, um, like turning all carbon into a bomb, a la the end of Ender's Game, <laughs> and just psycho stuff. Yeah, and I love it. I love them all. It's like trying to choose my favorite child. I'm just gonna let you fight it out. Uh, definitely a highlight for me for for the X seeds, um, and also uh, full disclosure. Uh, me and me and DJ kind of formed a back channel where we're uh, using each other as mirrors for our uh, weapon ideas. Oh, so, I should uh, mention that. The yeah, we're... what's that? The successor to Build Mac for this campaign. Absolutely, we should we should lay out the. Uh, tell me about this campaign. I'm gonna put uh, for those of you watching. I'm gonna put the Indiegogo on screen. Um, this is called The Burned Book, and it's funding on Indiegogo right now. Let's talk about it. Yeah, it's me keeping a promise uh, implicitly made as far back as my first novel, Nefirial, and started sketching out and sold answer. So The Burned Book is the first book in the art right cycle. And unlike certain other name authors that Dornell mentioned earlier, you guys know I can finish a series because I've already finished three. And also, as my backers know, this one is also fully sketched out. So I know how it ends. I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to finish it. And I have to because it's a prelude to the soul cycle. Okay, so it goes back. And um, as the Knights of the Old Republic is to Star Wars, the burn book is to the soul cycle. So, I'm. I was trying to work in an HK joke there, but that's okay. uh, 
that's amazing. Uh-oh. Uh, which is which is something that until you told me and 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 before the burn book, uh, I knew that this was going to be your next project, but it was still something that was surprising to me. So I'm going to ask the obvious question here: uh, what uh, what made you make that promise? What made you decide to go back to the Soul Cycle? I always planned to. I just decided to do a palate cleanser with Combat Ram Exceed because when I finished the Opian Rising final book in the Soul Cycle, I had fully set the stage. I had really said what I wanted to say with that universe for the time being and wanted to recharge my batteries by going and doing something completely different because, well, I had ADD and I can only maintain my attention on one thing for so long. So my period of hyper-focus that uh, lasted a good three years had pretty much been spent on Soul Cycle, but I was intrigued by this character some Soul Cycle fans may remember named Almuth Ellisine, who shows up in Soul Dancer. He's mentioned in all four books, I believe, and like it's a brief cameo in Soul Dancer, but he kind of emerges from behind the shadows and takes center stage in the third act of Ophian Rising. And you get hints throughout the series of this character's just towering, epoch-spanning backstory. And I already had it planned out and wanted to share it, but knew that that was going to take its own four-book series. So... I've now recharged my batteries, I've recuperated, and I'm back, and I'm going to tell that story, the story behind the story of the Soul Cycle, and fill in most, not all, but most of those key dangling deep lore threads that are alluded to throughout the Soul Cycle, and kind of let people scratch their heads in a good way, like, oh, I'm intrigued, I want to know more. Well, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to have to go back and reread that stuff because I do remember, uh, I remember that character, but I'm going to have to pick up all of those plot threads to, to get into this. Uh, that's good though. It sounds like, um, all right, because I think, and, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to play the part of the, uh, the wounded fan here and point out that most prequels were, in popular fiction have been sort of unneeded or unwelcome or uh, afterthoughts. And, and so I can, I can, I can anticipate at least part of your answer that of course you would have already always planned this, this, this isn't a, a star Wars esque prequel. Um, so I know you're cognizant of that stuff. So can you tell me what, how you're going to avoid that problem of, uh, you know, of having a prequel that seems unnecessary and, and what this is going to, is it going to be enjoyable on its own? And is it going to be enjoyable as a prequel as well? Yes, this is a great jumping on point. I will also point out that addressing what you said about, Oh, having to go back and reread and get caught up. Well, one, you don't have to do that because this is really where the story starts chronologically. 
Like this is thousands of years before Ethereal. So it, it makes a great point of departure. Two, anyone who backs at the $10 level or above automatically gets every Soul Cycle book for free with the perk. So I got you covered there. And I and I fulfill those immediately. Like you back the campaign now, and like right after this, I will email you all four Soul Cycle ebooks. So you can get started on that. Wow. Yeah. But the final book in the archive cycle is going to end with the Battle of the Void, which like Dame's grandfather and Jaren's father were in. So it ends just like a generation before Ethereal. So we segue nicely right into the soul cycle. And uh-huh. I've already got this all, I've got all the notes, I've got it all written out. So the difference between the Arkwright cycle and the Star Wars prequels are that unlike George Lucas, sorry, George, I'm not bluffing or fudging when I say that I've had this planned for like 20 years. Because I did, I could show you my notebook. Like, I have my notebook right here. Don't know if my mic is picking this up, but I'm flipping through the burn book notebook right now, <laughs> which I've had for over a decade. <laughs> we, we are good to go. I just need to outline it and then write it. Okay. Done it. Yeah. So, so, you know, you, you know what you want to do, you know, you know how it's going to fit into the overall story. You've had this planned out for years. Uh, my next really important question. So what kind of book are we getting? Is it is it going to be a book like Nethereal and Soul Dancer? Because the cover's telling me something else. The cover by our exquisite Soul Cycle cover artist Marcelo Orsi Blanco, who is returning, is telling you correctly. Because this is not weird science fantasy. This is dark fantasy. This one's. 99.99% pure, grim, brutal fantasy book um, filling in the deep lore of the soul cycle. So another way I like to describe it is, so imagine Michael Moore Cockavelric fame being called in to finish Berserk for Kentaro Mira. Okay. Okay. Uh, those are, those are, and I have to clip, claim ignorance here i know i know exactly what those are and so i get the the vibe for lack of a better word uh but i haven't seen uh, or read either but dark fantasy yeah i mean it would have to be first of all it would have to be for being in the soul cycle universe and it would kind of have to be to uh to be one of your books brian Right, Sorry to say those, it. <laughs> look at all those swords sticking out of the ground. I mean, something went down there. Yeah. You know it's gonna be good. Yeah, he's the, this is he's not just looking cool. He's finished with a gru- grueling battle. And there's one ray of light shining down, which is thematically appropriate. That's too bad. That's not dark enough. But I mean, it's better than commissioning just a plain black cover. Well, here's the thing. This is going to blow your mind. It blew mine. That cover image already existed because when I contacted Marcelo, he was so busy with his current gig, he was not going to be able to guarantee that he would have the cover, like a brand new commission cover done in time to promote the campaign. So I asked him, okay, well, do you have 
an existing image that I could license for promotional purposes. And I said, oh, sure, look through my portfolio. So this was one of the ones that immediately stood out to me. I was like, whoa. And, and when you read the book, there are a ton of elements from this cover, which he drew like 10 years ago with no point out like before he ever heard of me, that like are direct thematic references to the actual story. All right. That's spooky. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a signal grace. And, and uh, it was one of the few that uh, he had just done as like an essay on his own. So by the way, this is a sketch. This is not the final cover. He should be done with that any minute, but he is expanding this and, and refining it into an even better finished one. Oh, okay. So that explains sort of the artifacts on the armor and everything that looks like he's been dipped in acid or run through a potato peeler or something. Well, um, there's a good chance he was attacked by like the frenzied dwarf with a potato peeler or something, but uh, like that's Marcelo. But no, this is just a sketch. And when you see how much better he has gotten since the Ophian Rising, even, like I, I can't wait to see this. And uh, you guys are going to be among the first to see it when he's done, which like could be tonight. I, I don't know. Hey, so oh, that'd be speak. great. Yeah. But yeah, okay. it's dark fantasy. But where that ray of light signifies is that unlike George R. R. Martin or, or even Glenn Cook, it's not going to be like stale 90s edge, right? Or, oh, well, old pub won't let us actually take a risk or say anything against the status quo. So we'll fig leap it with gratuitous gore and stunt deaths and grinding nihilism right right um not because I've, i have the freedom as an indie author to do whatever i want and actually say what i want to say so brace yourselves for perhaps even a jarring message but um not one that's just like crap sack grimdark world because Whereas the soul cycle focused more on factors like um, mages who, who use workings and then later nexists who are well, their psychics. The burn book is going to focus on a very much underdeveloped aspect in the soul cycle because it just weren't a lot of them, which is the various priesthoods. So it's going to deal with the interactions of the various world religions that coexisted and interacted on Midgar before the guild rose to power. And they operate by totally different dynamics and totally different rules. Okay. And uh, si since you're not doing the 90s nihilistic or the George R. R. Martin uh, gore fest or, or sex fest, uh, what makes it dark? The darkness is more character driven. And I, I got to give a shout out to Embred because his work of weapon perfectly encapsulated the way that theme is expressed. And it has to do with characters in a single line of pursuit of what they think they want. There it is. Yeah. By the way, the contest is still open until tomorrow to name that one. We did name the previous one. 
uh, courtesy of DJ Gray Mercy. But uh, yeah, that uh, blue titanium cool. purple wreathed Swiss saber is still uh, still get to settle on it. But anyway, yeah. So it's characters who think they know what they want but haven't fully stopped to consider the risks or define the good getting like each getting his own monkey's paw. So the, the character of, of Falcorax, he's a priest of Bifron, which is the God of augury and oracles. And he has received a reliable prophecy that he is doomed to a horrible fate. Like a film and orange, like the, the more you try to dig yourself out, just the deeper in you're going to get you and everyone around you. And he's just obsessed with averting it by whatever means necessary. And that ruthlessness leads him to start to slip away from ethics and from keeping the good in sight. And he's not the only one. So... That's not to say there won't be gore and there won't be violence. Oh, yeah, they're going to be, but they're going to be conflict, right? I mentioned this before. That there's a difference between action, conflict, and violence. They are not the same thing. And the key difference is stakes. And the stakes in the burn book are going to be highly personal. Like they'll have to do, because again, the one of the main dynamics is like faith in the priesthood. So the stakes are going to be like your fate or your eternal soul or salvation or damnation or good or evil. So we're, we're tackling the big questions, big issues. As is appropriate to the soul cycle, I suppose. Well, thank you. Take that as a compliment, but along the way to produce that blood and guts, we're going to need some magical, possibly even sentient weapons. And that's where Work of a Weapon, which is a spiritual successor to build a mech comes in. Yeah, and uh, as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm number three to make a Work a Weapon. And I wanted to ask about that because, well, first of all, we need to we need to actually work on mine but i kind of wanted to know a little bit more about what you're looking for oh and before we before we get into that uh, i wanted to give warpig a chance to ask any questions he had because i have a feeling this is going to take a few minutes i don't have any questions so far it sounds very intriguing uh and it sounds like anybody who enjoyed the Soul Cycle books uh, should be champing at the bit for this series. And if you didn't enjoy the Soul Cycle books, you know, jump on in, go read them and enjoy them. Yeah, Good thanks point. for the ringing. Yeah, thanks for the ringing endorsement because I'm not just serving you the same warmed-over meal. This is a new twist on a classic dish, think of it that way. So maybe there were reasons if you didn't like the soul cycle, you didn't like it. Perhaps you didn't like the genre blending. Well, this is more of a pure fantasy. 
So if you like epic fantasy, this will be right up your alley. The the key plot revolves around um, an Eastern emperor commissioning a motley group of diplomats and adventurers to find a land route across this vast continent modeled after Asia to attempt to reach the West and prove a number of legends along the way, including finding extant fragments of the Burned Book, which is a renowned book of prophecy, which, by the way, is what that doomed, fated priest mentioned before is after because his auguries have told him that if there is any way to change his fate, it lies in the Burn Book's pages. So I'm connecting all these different narrative threads. Excellent. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna refer to the Indiegogo page one more time. And speaking of which, I'm gonna do a little test here. See if I can post link in chat. So there you go, chat. See if this works. So we we discussed doing a little bit of preview of the work a weapon on air. Um, which if if you guys aren't convinced now, I I hope hearing us begin the process really help you understand what is. Uh, is going on oh speaking of what's going on it looks like my links aren't going through okay great go ahead and put it in the private chat and uh, I, I don't have time to resolve it right now sure so worker weapons one of the there it is options here on the uh indiegogo it's page it's a perk that's what they call them perk and yeah you're on uh you're on stretch goal five by the way so this is fully funded like it's happening yeah we met our initial goal on day one it was the second fastest funding of all my campaigns but then something interesting happened which was i got slapped with a shadow ban now oh, previously brutal. yeah twitter had been like my number one or number two funding source for all of my previous campaigns. And needless to say, the pledges from that source plummeted. Now, yeah. it did finally get lifted on October 24th, but uh, we had lost a ton of momentum. So I've been trying to call it back by hook or by crook, finally did. But we are still way behind where like the Exceed S series books have been. However, we are within like $270 of beating the third Exceed book, CY 42nd coming. So yes, I believe if someone claims a work a weapon tonight, we might get over the goal and uh, get the burn book into the top four. And I would love to see that. And I'd love to make another work weapon. Uh, work weapon with uh, the geek ab check because you guys are special. In spite of the shadow ban, that's outstanding. Yeah, I'll 
tell you guys all about uh, the new marketing strategies that I, I took uh, off the air, but my, uh, my Discord patrons know all about it because I've been sharing my insider tips and marketing tricks with them. It's a little plug for that too. <laughs> Get it. But I'm trying to uh, do stuff. Yeah. I I love it. Uh, I love it. I love. Well, I'll I'll save those final thoughts for the end. Are yeah. you up for uh, Are you up for working a weapon right now? Well, for getting started, yeah. Let's uh, tell you what. Let's scroll to where Gray Mercy and uh, the as yet unnamed Saber are. Okay. Uh, is that down the page? Yeah, it should be. There going. we go. The Gray Mercy. This is the first weapon. Uh, sword caging a tainted soul who must aid the wielder's redemption to be purified and released. Yep, Interesting. It's it's a possessed sword and and the the soul but the the in order for the soul to be freed it has to help the owner of the sword do yep, something. Who is who is demon possessed? So they've got to they got to help each other. Uh huh. Redeem each other. Yeah. And the unnamed one, this uh, saber with the purple aura uh, that you mentioned, a saber whose aspect changes depending on the wielder's virtue. But is the dark or the light blade sharper? Yeah, because if you look closely, that is actually a mirror polished titanium blued blade, which is being overtaken by like a gray, dark, pitted like rusted rot surrounded in a purple aura. It's like burning its way down the blade. Uh -huh. So it's in the process of turning evil in that picture. I like it. And uh, we've already brought up Star Wars, so it's fair for me to say it. it definitely has a light side of the force, dark side of the force um, feel to it. Yeah, Embrev, who created it, um, called it uh, either Schrodinger's sword or like the one ring, except it's not actually cursed and doesn't actually make you do anything. But again, it's a monkey's paw. It will heighten what is already in your soul. It will give you what you think, what you believe you want. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that's that's starting to to move things around in my head. Um, Good. So here's where I like to start and and this may be unusual for uh you've heard it before this may be unusual for the backers so in terms of weapons or enchanted weapons or enchanted items what what does the story need um what, are there particular characters or or situations or or plot devices uh that you're looking for can you tell me a little bit more about the setting or the story you're putting together Absolutely. So the main setting is like late antiquity, early medieval China. Mm -hmm. Very much based on that. Except you may notice that, okay, well, there's a Chinese John up there. That's what Great Mercy is based on. That makes sense. But then, okay, then we have like a 16th century Swiss cavalry saber. Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, that's like a the old Highland going, like, that's like seven, finding a 747 before the Wright brothers, right? Right. Well, it's because on Mythgar, we have a wildcard factor, which is 
the Gen race, which are an ancient humanoid race, which developed sapiens long before humanity and have like a million year head start on us. So they've already developed all this technology. And while they try not to let any of it get out into the gen pop, it's inevitable that some of it does. So humans have access to all weapons of their civilization would have produced at their technology level, but also have managed to copy and even get a hold of some weapons from this more advanced race. So that's why one character carries a, a rapier, for example. Now, in terms of characters, so we have a disaffected kind of wayward child of Gen nobility. Um, his race has withdrawn from the world of men to an island refuge, think kind of the size of like the, the Hawaiian islands and just as remote where they're just, they just kind of sequestered themselves. And he started this gilded cage. So he, he hops a ship for the continent and has just been kind of slumming it. Not really, kind of directionless, right? But he gets tapped to go on this journey. So you've got him. And then there's the aforementioned priest of Bifron, um, I do have another weapon in mind for him. There is one he picks up later, which has a water elemental bound to it. And she can manifest to different degrees and to the highest degree. She can actually just pop out of the sword, form a full-size body out of water, and wield herself. Hmm. That makes sense. But then... Uh, there's Lord Marcus Gray, who is a diplomat from the West, who is actually blind, like he cannot use workings or mysteries or anything. So he just relies on his consummate skills as a diplomat. So again, he's, he's like this enlightened intellectual kind of guy. Uh, he carries a rapier. Then there is Evelyn, who is a priestess of Midras, which is... Uh, which Souls Michael fans may remember uh, Solomon getting on once. So that's the dualistic religion with Midras the good god and Arachthon the evil god in a perpetual war. Just uh, feel free to stop me. I feel like I'm monopolizing things. I'll let, I'll let you uh, I'll let that percolate and let, let you ask any questions. Uh, yeah, uh, it sounds like you've got. Uh, weapons picked out for a few people. Um, this uh, it sounds like there'd be a rapier up for grabs. I was actually thinking of getting away from the sword form factor, oh, sure. uh, mostly mostly because we already have two swords. But a rapier, a rapier would be fine. I'm more interested in the sort of, you know, what's what's the spiritual or what's the um, enchantment aspect of it. Now, this being the soul cycle, we already have. Um, we already have one sword that sort of has a soul entrapped in it. Um, and this one, the, you know, the second one sort of feeds off the soul of the wearer. Uh, so is that, um, is that something that you are trying to encourage or, or prefer in terms of what sorts of powers you're looking for um, to sort of stay on theme and stick with a soul uh, affecting weapon? 
Wow. Well, for spirit, it's pure serendipity that DJ and Emperor came up with similar ideas, but from different, really opposite angles, which I love. I, I love the symmetry that Gray Mercy's virtue, if you will, or alignment depends on the nature of the soul trapped in it. Because it, it can, uh, according to DJ, I believe, trap any soul, but only one at a time. So when one manages to be purgated and freed, it can then soak up another one. And if that one is evil, then the sword takes on like an evil flavor. If it's a, a good soul, then it takes on more of a virtuous aspect. Whereas the saber has this light or dark side, like you were saying, like a, it's like a two-sided coin. And which one it shows depends on the wielder. And that just happened that way. Uh, they kind of arrived at the same point by different directions. But no, as I say in the perk, it doesn't have to be a sword. It could have any effect on it that you want that's possible within the soul cycle. And as you can see from those two, there's a broad range of possible effects. Um, so like getting into what these two actually do. So they both defend their wielders from magical attacks to some extent. Um, like the saber can actually cut workings and mysteries and glamours to kind of dispel them. Um, and then the Grey Mercy, I think more just projects like a magical protection aura around the user. They're both incredibly sharp. Um, in fact, uh, legends say that the saber can cut anything, even possibly silver cores, although it hasn't been tested yet. And also strengthens the, the user's resolve. And then with the current soul trapped in at Grey Mercy is also heavily invested in protecting its current wielder. I see, I see. Yeah. Um, I have two. I have two thoughts that aren't necessarily compatible, but the the first thought is that, especially with the idea of the soul trapped in the weapon, or or the idea of the a weapon being intelligent, that we're not we're not really making a sword or a weapon here. We're making a weapon shaped character. Yes. Uh, which could be, you know, it could be very, um, it could have a great impact on uh, the story. And going along the same lines as, as some of the, as these other weapons, a forceful character that directs the action would be, to me, more interesting or valuable and or disruptive to the author's plans if I were the type of person to come up with a horrible idea and make you fit that in somehow. Um, something that you could use as a, a wedge or a... Well, if it truly is a wedge, it's going to be an axe. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, a foil. A foil. I there like it. Which would uh, which would closely match the rapier. The I rapier love it. being a literal foil to a character's plans. 
Yes. <laughs> that uh, that's a great direction. Delicious. I like that. I'm gonna. Uh, we are we're closing in on time, so I'm gonna go over my other idea, and this this may not be end end up being part of the weapon, but uh, to. What if it were a spirit or a force of nature? And uh, I pictured in my mind as you were describing this layabout. Did you say he lived on an island or, or you know, you know, just a survivalist, something like that? Oh um, no, he wasn't a, a. If we're talking about the the Gen like Lordling, no, it's it's more like. Um, a, a remote resort retreat, so it's gotcha. it's pretty civilized, but it's just like where almost all the the Gen race on Midgar have just withdrawn to. So it's kind of like the Rivendell or Lothlorien of this world, but on an island. Uh, because I'm not. All right, so the, these swords here, particularly the saber, like that's an officer's weapon. We're looking at officers' weapons, mm -hmm. and and. I was thinking the other direction. Instead of having, you know, an officer's weapon representing these virtues or vices or anything like that, let's eliminate virtue and vice altogether and make this weapon a force of nature. I think of a hunting weapon. I think of a spear or a harpoon. And um, instead of instead of enhancing the user's soul, uh, it's it's more atavistic it has its own plan it's it has its own desire its own desire is to hunt and it will turn its wielder into the you know consummate hunter and uh, good and evil and and all that stuff falls away just his relationship with any antagonist is predator prey um uh, this would be perfect as a curse for someone with a moral code or a uh, or a villain or an antagonist who uh you know shifts from being someone who you know is is working against your plans or 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 you, you think they have some semblance of honor or or loyalty or rules of engagement or whatever that sort of noble officer warrior code and it's just a monster that is out and it will kill it will kill everything and anything and everything to stop you from getting what you want and gradually the weapon transforms the wielder over time and it's and it, and it we would be subtle at first but then they, they would truly become not I was I say monstrous but more like an animal can you use that? I'm sure I can. So, let me see here. All right, so, yeah, that definitely sounds more like an antagonist's weapon. So, in terms of antagonists, we got a few big ones, we got a few big groups. So one are the Troll, which is the main nation that makes up what's called the Shining Host, which, I mean, think of the Mongols, right? Yeah. They're just a roving 
rating war machine um expert horseman and along, along with that would come proficiency in spears then also there is a wayward legion which is a medieval pmc who during the course of the story have been hired by this one port town to defend against a siege by the shining host and they are commanded by a couple of real winners um one of whom is named Rain Tenos, who is a priest of Elothin, which will be immediately familiar to Soul Cycle readers. And yeah, he is just a despicable human being with no redeeming values whatsoever, but uh, he's still a, a lovable cur with no redeeming values. Uh, kind of the guy you love to hate, but then he is the lieutenant of the commander of the Wayward Legion. For whom I don't really have a weapon yet. Okay. Uh, honestly, both ideas fit. And the obvious beneficiary of the, you know, the atavistic weapon, the, the, <laughs> hunting, the hunting spear, that would could be those tribesmen, right? Yeah, maybe they're... Maybe they're modern and civilized now, but there's a, you know, a legendary warrior, a legendary hunter, you know, and, and if you find his spear, uh, it'll, you know, it'll turn you into him or, well, or some sort of monster. You know, um, let, me the, point out, let me stop right there and point out something else, because you we might have a, another bit of coincidence here, because you said atavistic. So I talked about the interplay of different religions in this book. The most popular religion in this port town that I'm talking about is atavism. That is what it's called. And it's the philosophy that uh, Cook followed in the soul cycle. So just in, in D&D terms, true neutral, just na might is right. Nature is the way it is. Yeah, Hunt, they're trying to get, kill, yeah, eat. Back, yeah, they're trying to get back to the, the nexus. Um, so they're they're, they're based on, they're most inspired by like Buddhist or Hindu monks, right? Because they believe that the Nexus just keeps spitting out souls repeatedly throughout history and like they actually want to reunite with it and, and stop getting reincarnated, right? That's uh, the whole purpose of their religion. But you could do an atavist monk who gets a hold of this thing. And that yeah. way we see him go from, yeah, he could be a good guy, but again, yeah, they're not really on the good evil axis. Yeah, they're more true neutral, but he gets started as a decent guy who just gets more and more ruthless and single-minded because of this like legendary weapon he stumbles upon. He stops, he stops speaking in complete sentences. He, yeah. he, he, becomes more you know more aloof uh, he's no one questions his prowess in combat and and he it and he only seems to kill to eat but then something changes something narratively appropriate changes yeah and someone who who when when and this is this is the this is the hard part 
when when the magic of the weapon takes over, I think the key moment we're looking for is that inflection point in the character's mind. And and you're the professional author. You have you have to figure out how to make something like this work, because uh, the way I'm imagining it is at, there's an inflection point at which the character goes from friend, enemy, or me, you, or person, person to predator, prey, and even someone who the day before they could be friends or acquaintances, as soon as that that thing gets between him and his next meal or, you know, his next mate or whatever. Um, he immediately turns, turns on it. And that's when you can go into evil, you know, because you witness animals in the wild and they'll fight. And those fights typically aren't lethal. Um, you know, except, you know, when gorillas go at it for breeding rights, you know, very often, it is lethal, right? And then if you choose to go darker or more evil, then it could be as soon as that switch is flipped, that character immediately goes for the kill. Yeah, like, or like you're, the you're my next stags who get entangled. Stags who get entangled. I love it. Yeah. You're my next meal. Or oh, here's uh, Empreb says, I need more power. I don't get this reference. You guys are the anime fans or weebs in common parlance. Um, I need more power. If if all of a sudden that former acquaintance is the has the power or or stands between him and the power to be the next tribal chief or to be the next, you know, uh, pride king or whatever, you know, instant alpha male showdown, that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, what would, and then here's an interesting mental exercise. What would that sort of atavistic power look like if it were wielded by a woman? Oh, now you're getting, really I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that question. I don't know if I, I can answer that question, but I think it would look drastically different. Yeah. And I, I already have some I'm gonna make ideas. That your problem. I'm making that your problem. Oh, thank you for making that my problem. <laughs> <laughs> so I had I had two ideas. It sounds like we're gonna go with that one. Uh, although I'm I'm gonna text you more about that other idea later. That'll be a freebie. Um, but that was that was awesome. Um, do you want to wrap it up here, or do you have any more information that you want about the weapon before we wrap up the show here? Well, yeah. What kind of magical powers do you want it to have? What should it do? Um, it should, uh, going with the theme of atavism and instinct and hunting, uh, I think it should grant the wielder uh, a sense of direction. Uh, sort of in in video game parlance, like a hunter's mark or something like that. You know, if I have a target, you know, it should be able to assist me in 
reaching that target. Of course, um, if it's a spear or a harpoon, you know, and the final form is is up for grabs, it could even change slightly, you know, depending on who's wielding it in the circumstances. But I think the important part is, you know, it's going to be an effective weapon, right? If if uh, it's going to be able to pierce thick hides, and or the human equivalent, which is, you know, it's going to be able to pierce armor. Um, uh, it will, uh, if it finds a more worthy target, it will um, betray its wielder uh, so that it falls into the right hands, to more worthy hands. Um, or will it? Or will it just, you know, let the, you know, let the dice decide? Mm. Um, uh, those are, those are the, those are the powers I'm thinking of right now. And man, dude, you keep reading my mind. It's interesting you mentioned that um, because just as there was a combat frame exceed RPG, I also have cooked up my own homemade Soul Cycle RPG. And the more I see the fruits of the work of and Perk, the more I'm just fantasizing about seeing you guys going at it with characters armed with your weapons and just see who wins just have action figures fight each other you know <laughs> that'd be great that'd be great i yeah put the uh is a perk, by the way i put the perk up on the screen for everybody watching on youtube just in case yes thanks for taking notes <laughs> dj schreffler spear hunts the better wielder that could work yeah yeah we do have a crazy one um, I, I would not, I would not let you guys down. Um, as it's a, you know, forgive a, forgive a smidgen of pride, but the, the reaction to the harvester was so positive that I have made it my mission to be the crazy one in every offering. Um, but anyway, in you can, you can play test, uh, and wield these weapons against each other uh i'm looking forward to see to see uh, what you come out with uh for this rpg um i haven't signed on for that uh, because i already bought a worker weapon and and money but uh but that's really cool we've done it before we're going to do another combat frame exceed one those are always enjoyable experiences um i hope everybody who listened to that especially towards the end i hope you get what kind of experience it is to to build a mech or work a weapon and and how that might be valuable to you like if that sounds fun just hanging out with brian niemeyer for a couple hours and figuring out how to completely ruin his story um <laughs> then you know you know the perk is worth it uh, man i hope you check it out um uh so let's uh let's let's put a ribbon on that and we'll uh, we'll we're we're gonna have to come back to that at a later time, Ryan, and finish up these notes. Um, yeah, we got I'm, glad, done. I'm glad we got started on that. Um, so I let's open like back. Page of notes on that. Yeah, nice. Yes. Uh, I don't have any uh, I don't have any questions from the chat. So uh, before we wrap it up, uh, Daddy Warpig, uh, any questions in the chat? Go ahead and and sling them, guys. Daddy Warpig, any last questions for Brian? No, I'm I'm good. 
And thanks so much for your help. I'm so happy that we did this on air so that Warpig could uh, uh, could uh, contribute. I love the idea of the the rapier being a foil. Yeah. That, that's that. Hey, anybody who's interested in doing the work weapon, that's the secret. If you if any of your ideas happen to be good, Brian's probably going to use them. I gotta get them somewhere. <laughs> I was like explaining to uh, John A. Douglas when a member of his chat asked where I get my ideas. I'm like, oh, freaking steal them. Absolutely, one. absolutely. Um, and that's uh, and that's what we do. I, I'm gonna move this right into what's going on in the next couple of weeks here. That's what we do in Dungeons and Dragons. The best ideas are the stupid things that you come up as as you play along. Um, some stupid stuff is going on in Trilopolis for the next week or two. We'll tell you all about it next time we get together. Uh, but in the meantime, um, I'm going to show this screen right now. Uh, you're at uh, you're funded, 500% funded. Uh, more backers, more fun. Uh, you get all the old books with it. Um, and uh, if you want, you can be in the book. You can have your character killed in a book. You can have your friends killed in a book. Or you can make a weapon like uh, you heard me and Brian do here tonight. I totally recommend it. I'm sold. I'm a big Brian Niemeyer fan. Um, and, and I hope you check out the Burned Book. Um, and Brian Niemeyer, any last thoughts? Anything that we haven't talked about that you, we need to talk about? Well, thank you for having me on again, guys. DW, thank you for listening with patience and wisdom and dropping that brilliance bomb on us. So truly you're a man who speaks when he has something to say, not just when he has to say something. And I think that's why your viewers value your insights. So, and yeah, Ronald, thank you for giving me an uphill climb again. That's going to be fun. <laughs> and yeah, everybody get in there. Back to Burn Book. We've also got an original theme song. I did a bunch of firsts this time, guys. Had a professionally produced video. Had a professional composer create the Burn Book original theme song, which if you want, you can get for a buck. So get in there. Like, let's cool. make it please a buck during the show. <laughs> Standard market price. Yeah, there it is. And it is awesome. Like, I'm not just saying that other people have told me like, wow, this belong, like this is better than most movie soundtracks on Hollywood these days. I listened to it. I liked it. Well, thank you. Yeah. You can listen to it for, you can sample it for free right there on the Indiegogo site. Books have theme songs. Now you did it. That's awesome. Achievement log. I, I think we should call it a night guys. Thanks so much for the chat, Daddy Warpig. The floor is yours. All right, folks. I want to thank everyone who tuned in and listened live, participated in the chat. It was lively and jumping. Uh, I want to thank everyone who will tune in and listen later. Quick reminder, folks, uh, we are available on YouTube.com slash GeekGab. Once again, that's YouTube.com slash GeekGab. Just about every Monday at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, this show 
is going to be kept here on YouTube so you can read the chat and bask in the glory of our fans' erudition and excitement. We uh, are also available on the Google Play Store, on SoundCloud.com, and on the iTunes Store. Just do a search for Geek Gab. You can download us on the device of your choice uh, or just listen to us on the web. You, uh, please, if you're on YouTube, feel free to subscribe and click the bell so you'll get an announcement as to when we go live. You can jump in and participate in the chat for yourself. We are signing out for today, folks, but don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.